Hello there and welcome to another episode of MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny Galarza. Today we're going over week six of Dana White's Contender Series. We've got five bouts in the card coming up this Tuesday evening with an 8 p.m. Eastern start time. Most of these fighters you've never heard of before, but we've uncovered some information about each fighter. We'll go over each fight one fight at a time, giving you our favorite picks to win. We're not going to dive into really any prop bets here because as we've discussed before, we don't really get prop bets offered on most of the American sports books like FanDuel or DraftKings leading up to the fight. So we'll just discuss who we think is going to win each bout. We'll each fight one fight at a time, and hopefully the advice we give you is correct. Now, last week we finished three and one. Unfortunately, the Chris Duncan fight was canceled, but we got all the fights right in terms of who we thought was going to win, except for the main event. Igor Petoria came in there and really surprised everyone, beating up Lucas Sadalski. Petoria was a plus two hundred favorite, so I'm mean, plus two hundred dog, so it was a nice dog for anyone who had him. But overall, we did okay. Recently, we've done all right with these contender series um, evening bouts and Tuesday evening, so we'll try to keep that going here. Let's dive into the first fight. Tonight. All right, so the card opens up with a lightweight bout between the American Patrick White and the. Mexican Gerardo Valdez. Mr. Valdez is 9-0, undefeated fighter fighting out of Tijuana, Mexico. He's 5'10 in height. We don't have a reach number on him. He's 29 years old. He trains at Entrum Gym. If you don't know that gym offhand, that's where Brandon Moreno and a lot of very good Mexican fighters train out of. So as for Patrick White, who's from Alaska, he's 9-1 overall. So only one loss in his career. He's 28 years old, so one year younger. He's 6' in height. He trains at Avalanche Wrestling up there in Alaska. So in terms of training program, I got to give a significant edge there to Mr. Valdez, who's coming out of Entrum. As for experience, very similar. These guys have both fought like 9, 10 fights respectively. No big time wins, no notable fights, no UFC fights, no Bellator fights or anything of that nature. But when you start breaking down the film, um, one thing you notice is, number one, you can't find much film on Patrick White. I, I couldn't find a damn thing on him. So I ended up looking at his fight history and try to study the fighters that he's fought, sort of kind of extrapolate what kind of fighter I would expect here. Now, all that said here, you have a big favorite here in Valdez at minus 370. You got a plus 295 price tag on Patrick White that I don't know much about. So it's a little scary here all around. I'm going to lean towards Valdez to win the fight. Again, having not watched film on Patrick White, it's just kind of scary. It's the unknown. All we know is that he's coming from a smaller level promotion. He's coming, you know, from the, you know, a different, you know, a different gym that we don't know much about. Whereas Valdez is coming from a place where you got some warriors in the gym. You know, he's fought some decent opponents. We've got some film on him. So there's just a lot of unknowns. What I do like about Valdez is he's got a balanced game. He wrestles, he grapples, his ground and pound is excellent. Um, he will ground and pound and finish a fight on the ground with the best of them. Once he gets on top of a guy, he gets full guard. He's pretty brutal. Um, he's a decent boxer. You know, he's Mexican, so he can fight in his feet. Um, overall, just well-rounded. But I got to give him the edge more from the things that I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Patrick White. I don't know who his teammates are. Um, I, I don't know what kind of training program that he's undergoing right now. Whereas when you look at a guy like Gerardo Valdez, you know he's in the gym with some tough guys. You know he's a Mexican warrior. And so... Leaning towards Valdez, but I will say, if you're going to put straight up money on this, you're nuts. Minus 370 is kind of chalky for a situation where we don't know much about either fighter, at least not a lot. Don't have film on one guy. At best, I'll parlay this in like one like little lottery parlay for the night. But otherwise, I'm on Hinerano Valdez to win the fight just strictly because of the camp he's coming out of and maybe a little bit of the experience advantage. Again, you've got Patrick White coming out of the you know Alaska scene. At least with Hinerano Valdez, he's fought in Lux. He's fought in UWC. He's fought in Combate. Um, and look, he's on a nice winning streak. You, know, you can't ignore it. The guy's 9-0, whereas Patrick White does have one falter in his career. He lost to Chris Burpich, and that was in round one. Got knocked out 45 seconds. So we'll see what happens here way too chalky to put a lot of money in into this fight but i think Hernando valdez gets the victory here all right the second fight in the card is going to be a light heavyweight bout between two american fighters shante barnes and joseph holmes now joseph holmes is coming in here as a replacement initially the fight was going to be shante barnes versus cody brundage 
Brunch gets a phone call from the UFC recently, so he's called up to fight Maximoff. He's now in the UFC, so this is going to be an opportunity here for Joseph Holmes. Now, usually when you come in as a late replacement, you'd be coming in as like the underdog, but he's coming in here as a big favorite. Holmes on the current money line is minus 400, and you can get Barnes at plus 300. Why is that the case? Well, we're going to talk about it and break it down. Let's look here first at Shantae Barnes. The first thing that comes out to you when you look at his fight history is the dude never goes to distance. Matter of fact, doesn't even go to the second round. He's been in the second round one time in his pro career back in 2019 versus Adam Mays. That fight ends up going to a draw. His other seven fights in his pro career have all been finished in round one, including the fight in 2017 against Nicholas Martino. We watched that fight. It's a mistake. He just makes a, a rookie mistake. He gets a takedown, turns his back for some silly reason, ends up getting rear naked choked there at the end of round one. It is significant from the standpoint that I think there are potential cardio issues with Shante Barnes. And so you see at the end of round one, he's getting tired, makes a mistake, gets rear naked choked by a guy who was 0-2, mind you, coming into that fight. And I believe now Nicholas Martino is like, I don't know, four and six. So not a great loss there, but it was early in his career. So we looked at that fight. You know, again, you can see the power. You can see the ability to finish people. It's there. Um, the second fight we looked at for Shante Barnes was his fight against Roy Sanders. Okay, he wins that fight by submission in round one. And that's interesting about uh, Shante Barnes. Not only can he knock someone out, he's got the hands, heavy hands, he's got knockouts, but he also could submit people. So he's, listen, finishing power is there for Shante Barnes. How does he function in round two and three? That's to be seen. We'll see what happens there. But looking at those two fights, I can say, look, the guy has got power in his hands. He knows how to submit people pressure and pace early on i think though round two and three that's where the question marks are going to start to arise now as for joseph holmes the late replacement fighter there's a lot of links here in the description you're going to see four different links there so you can watch four different fights on him and what you're going to see with him similar to that of barnes he's a finisher pressure pace he's knocking guys out with flying knees he's like he's knocking guys out with guillotine chokes rear naked chokes um again his choke game submission game is very good i can see this fight clearly not going into distance we're not talking about props here but if we were going to look at props this fight definitely is going to have violence to the point where it probably does go distance even from the standpoint that look both fighters historically don't go the distance but on top of that i'm saying to you i believe shante barnes is not going to be able to go to the distance i don't think that's just part of his training agenda you know what i'm saying so when looking at holmes the fight that we reviewed for holmes we reviewed his fight versus um an amateur bout versus or back in 2017 which gives you an idea he's only been a pro here for a few years but he fights gary or back till 17 he's on his back as a triangle choke and you see he's got good submission ability even from his back the second fight we reviewed of his was back in 2021 versus guzman okay that was a pretty good fight as well and that fight is joel guzman in a muay thai bout so this one is strictly striking no mma it's an okay fight, kind of boring at times, but you can see the striking ability of Joseph Holmes. He's a clean striker, got good kicks, got good, you know, good punching game. The third fight we looked at for him was against uh, Oliveira. Okay, that was back in 2019. That's a notable fight because Conor Oliveira at that time, this was a Bellator fight, Bellator 224 in 2019. He finishes Oliveira in round two via a rear naked choke. Looks good, great win. Probably the biggest win there for Joseph Holmes in his career. The only but there. It is a Bellator win, but the only but is it's Kona Oliveira, a guy who's like, what, like one and two or something like that. Not a very good record. I don't think he's even fought since that time. So it is a Bellator win, probably the biggest win for either fighter in terms of their resume. But, you know, the quality of opponent, unfortunately, and it is like that. Sometimes Bellator just, they have absolute cans in there. There's no other way to put it. The last fight we looked at here for Joseph Holmes was his fight versus Leninger. Okay, Ryan Leninger back 2020, so about a year ago. He fights Leninger, beats him round one with a knee, a nice knee, like a tiny and close. 
look, the guy Leninger, not a great fighter, kind of lower level. Um, and that's just it with both these guys. They haven't fought very good opponents. The Bellator win there for Holmes is his biggest win. But again, that guy was a very low-level opponent. I think what happens here, number one, is the fight does not go the distance. Someone's going to get caught. If you're Joseph Holmes, right, you have punching power, right? Okay. But you have cardio. Uh, you should be able to take Shantae Barnes into second, third round. Get him into deeper waters. He said his hands are to come down. You should be able to grapple him, win the grappling exchanges, tire him out, and then find your submission opportunity. So, yeah, I like Holmes to win the fight. Now, how are you going to bet it? Probably going to have to parlay this bad boy here because at minus 400, you're not betting $400 straight up to win 100 bucks here, not on these lower-level contender series fights. So I'll parlay Holmes. We'll talk about that parlay at the end of the show, but he'll be a parlay piece, and I'd like him to win the fight. Okay, we're up to the third fight in the card. It's going to be a bantamweight bout between Joshua Weems and Fernie Garcia, both American fighters. Now, Joshua Weems is coming into this fight as a replacement. Fernie Garcia was supposed to fight Paul Capaldo. Capaldo tested positive for COVID-19, and so he's out. All right, so breaking down this fight here, Weems is 8-1 overall, 5-0 in his last five fights. He's from Jackson, Mississippi, 27 years old, 5 of 8 in height. We do not have a reach number on him. As for Fernie Garcia, he's 9-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five fights. He's coming out of Dallas, Texas, trains at Fortis MMA, 29 years old, 5 at 7 in height with 68 inch reach. Okay, so let's talk here first about Weems, the late replacement fighter. He fought back in June, so he's fought recently, should be in shape. Obviously, he knew he could be a last minute call up for something like this. He fought Isaac Ruelas, and that was a modified custom rules bout in the Game Bread Fighting Championship back in June. And he wins the fight by split decision, though when you watch the fight, I'm pretty sure he won the fight outright. So, you know, sometimes he split decisions. I'm not sure if it's just for the dramatic appeal or whatever, but it seemed to me like he won the fight clearly. Isaac Ruelas, um, you know, not to take shots at the guy. I mean, he's four and three. He's pretty much a 500 level fighter. He's lost three of his last four fights. Um, definitely very limited. But at times, he fell on top of Joshua Weems in this fight and actually had some top control position time. Um, but he also got cracked by, by a spinning... Uh, um, spinning elbow by Joshua Weems. So look, Weems has nice striking. He's got leg kicks, uh, head kicks. Um, he's a striker. He's a brawler. He's going to get into it with you. He's going to give himself a chance, put it that way. But he also leaves himself wide open to get taken down. He has a hard time getting up. And he also leaves himself open for a lot of counter punches. So, you know, some things that I just noticed there on watching him fight against Isaac Ruelas. As for Fernie Garcia, the fights I watched of his, I watched Ryan Hayes. Ryan Hayes versus um, Garcia was back in 2020. He wins that fight by split decision. Another fight where it's like, I'm pretty sure he wins that fight outright. Um, it looks like he wins the fight pretty much outright, but they give him a split decision. Now, it needs to be said here, of the last f five fights, actually, five fights here for Fernie Garcia, they've all gone a decision, and three of them have been split decision. He fell on the wrong side of one of those against Cody Freeman, but he beats Marquis Smith, and he beats Ryan Hayes by split decision, Jay Viola by decision, uh, Isaiah Bat Batten Gonzalez by decision. So every single fight he's fought going back to 2019 have all gone a decision. So clearly there's a finishing issue there with Garcia, but he does fight really good. It's tough. Like sometimes going to decision, you know, you could think the fighter doesn't have finishing ability, but sometimes it's just fighting a good, a good opponent or it's just a matchup. I like Fernie Garcia in this matchup. I think that he is the better overall fighter. I think he's able to push pace here against Weeks. I'm sorry, Weems. He's able to back Weems up and keep Weems back against the fence most of the fight. And that pace and pressure should be enough for Fernie Garcia to get to Weems and expose him. I wouldn't be surprised if Weems catches himself off balance. Weems gets off balance with his strikes, with his kicks. And if he does that, someone like Garcia isn't a grab and bring him to the ground, have a boring little, you know, session on the ground, hold him in position. So I like Fernie Garcia to win the fight. But I will say, look, coming off of the positive COVID test that he had last year for Garcia, we don't know the implications of that. Um, and he hasn't fought in since, uh, looking back here. Actually, he fought back in um, in March. Okay, so it looks like he's fully recovered from the COVID. He beat Isaiah Baton-Gonzalez. He wins that by 
decision, of course. But anyway, at minus 225 currently, it's a little chalky. But look, Weems is the late replacement. Let's not overthink this. He is the late replacement. Okay, Weems has not fought really high-level competition by any means. Um, he's got some wins in SEFC, Empire, um, you know, Gamebred, but he hasn't fought great competition. As for Fernie, at least he's got some LFA wins, right? Matter of fact, he's got one, two, three, four. He's got four LFA wins in his last five fights. So look, at least he's fighting in the LFA, guys that are nine and six, four and one, three and one, that kind of competition. Whereas Weems, he's fighting guys that are like, you know, four and four, oh and eleven, four and two, oh and four, you know, so very low level competition. I think Fernie gets the edge here. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it's a split decision win for Fernie Garcia. The co-main event features a flyweight bout between Daniel Perez, the 32-year-old from Spain, and Carlos Hernandez, the 27-year-old American. Hernandez is 6-1 overall on a six-fight winning streak, actually, after starting his career with a loss. He hails from Illinois. He's 5'7 in height. We do not have a reach number on him. Based on watching his film, I'd say his reach is comparable to his height, so probably around 65 to 66-inch reach. He trains at VFS Academy. As for Daniel Perez, he's 12-4 overall. Very good record, 5-0 in his last five fights. He's coming in here 5'7 in height with 66-inch reach. He trains at Training Unit. Okay, so watching film in these guys, let's start off here with Daniel Perez. He's coming off of a win here against Jao Camilo, and that was in Combat 51 back in 2019. So two-year layoff here for Perez. But that was a good fight. Uh, both opponents really showed uh, a lot of grit. Both guys went toe-to-toe. -to -toe. First round, he drops the first round against Camilo because he spends the entire round on his back, which you don't like to see. But then Perez comes back, takes top control round two, aggressive, lands a few shots, actually puts his opponent down for a second, like drops his opponent to a knee in round three, somehow gets a split decision win. And in my eyes, it was a clear on two rounds to one win. He lost round one, round one rounds two and three. Should have been just a unanimous decision win for him. But... Gets a split decision win, not a bad victory, and you see he's athletic, he's quick, uh, he's a wrestler, he knows how to get position on the ground, he's a grappler, um, a lot of positive things. The, the things that I didn't like to see was his wrestling game um, is pretty much his, his strength, but his only part of his game, so his, his boxing is not very good. It's looping shots, it's wide shots, um, gets off balance, um, very hittable on his feet, um, so don't like that, and then when he got taken down in round one, he never was able to get up there against uh, Camilo, so didn't like any of that, but... Round two and round three, when, like, you know, push came to shove, he picked up the tempo, he pushed the pace, he got the victory, it looked good. Now, looking here at Carlos Hernandez, he's coming off of a win in 2020 versus Trevor Wells. Now, it was not quite the fight um, that we were just talking about with Perez versus Camilo. This was a one-sided fight where Trevor Wells is coming in here. He came in that fight three and one. Right now, Trevor Wells' overall record is, what, four and three. Not a very good fighter. You could see that he was very overmatched. You could see Carlos Hernandez was clearly the better fighter, but you didn't see much from Hernandez. Hernandez wins rounds one and two pretty much by slim margin striking round three gets a late round takedown which is important gets the victory seals the victory but didn't do anything impressive in that fight and you would think with a guy like that he would have done more and that brings me to allow carlos hernandez's fight history this is why i believe daniel perez will win the fight carlos hernandez has not fought in really anything of challenge he fought trevor wells that guy was three and one at the time matt brown before that one and one chance wilson two and two came to that fight terry van Hooser, 2-1, Mike Russell, 0-0, zero zero. Ivan Cardenas, 0-0, zero zero. in his first fight of his career, Gustavo Ballar, who was 1-0, and he lost that fight. So, look, he has fought probably in his entire career, he's fought guys in total who don't even have 10 victories. So, it's just no real 
test there for Carlos Hernandez. I think Daniel Perez will by far be his biggest test, will be the best fighter he's fought against. And I think when push comes to shove, even if Perez drops round one, he gets he gets some ground time in round two. He gets some ground time in round three. He pushes tempo. He could take a punch. So I think this just comes down to like, this reminds me of the Nico Price and Oliveira fight the other day, where if you were trying to compare the, the fight and you were trying to figure out who's going to win, it came down to like the intangible, like, well, who really wants to win the fight more? And you kind of saw that when you look at the fighter history, Nico Price would have the desire to win more than Oliveira, who started to fade out and got tired. I think in this fight, I'm not saying Carlos Fernandez doesn't have a heart, doesn't have the will to win. It's just when you look at the film, you can see that Perez has another gear. And so I think he wins the fight. Now, in terms of the current odds, which I'm using um, MMA stats for the odds because there's no odds available on DraftKings, the current odds have uh, Carlos Fernandez as a fight slight favorite at minus 140. When it opens up Aaron DraftKings, I think it's going to open up a Perez as a favorite. Now, currently, he's plus 110. It won't stay that way. But either way, I'm on Perez to win the fight. Um, I'll probably be betting this at least another half unit the same way as the main event. I'm doing a half unit right here on Perez. Not sure about parlay pieces. And again, there's a lot of unknowns. Perez has not fought in two years. Well, I mean, uh, Hernandez has not fought in a year, so there are some unknowns. But I do believe Perez gets the win here. And we're up to the main event. It's a welterweight bout between the Israeli fighter Shimon Smetritsky and the Canadian Mike Mallet. Mallet's 6-1-1 overall. He hails from Canada in terms of his origin, but he's fighting out of Sacramento, California. He's 29 years old, six foot one in height with a 74-inch reach. He's coming out of Team Alpha Male, very, very good gym to train at. As for Smutsnitskaya, the very young Israeli fighter, he's 21 years old, 7-0, undefeated. He's coming in at six foot two in height. We do not have a reach number on him. Based on looking at his film, I'd say his reach is comparable to his height. Looks like he was well-proportioned, so I'm going to guesstimate around 75 to 76-inch reach. He's coming out of Team Pact Holland. So... Couldn't find a lot of film on these guys, especially when it came to Mallet. I did find one film on him. It was back in 2014. He fought uh, against uh, Hakeem Duwadu. All right, so that's a name, obviously, rings a bell. Duwadu is 5-2 in the UFC. Only been finished one time in the UFC, and that was by submission. So the guy's packing a punch. Good, you know, good fighter. Unfortunately, in that fight, Mallet just gets crushed by, like, an overhand right. Gets finished the first round. Up until that point, he was holding his own. He's got some decent reach. Very hittable, though, and not very fast, okay? So if he's in there with a quick striker, he can have a little bit of a hard time keeping up the speed, and he's very hittable. Um, when he goes in for, like, aggressive moves, he tends to, you know, drop his head. He drops his head. His hands come out to the side. Leaves himself open. You could see that in the Duwadu fight, and eventually Duwadu catches him. But let's preface this. This is 2014. That was seven freaking years ago. So looking at more recent history of Mike Mallett, he's coming off of a win here against... Um, excuse me, against Solomon Renfro. Before that, it was a grappling bout. We can ignore that. Then he fought Craig uh, Shintani. So these are two wins, XFFC and CFFC. So those fighters are okay. Craig Sh Shintani was coming into that fight 6-1. and one. Solomon Renfro was coming in there 6-0. and oh. So two decent wins after the Hakeem Duwadu loss. Problem is, it's like, yeah, you heard what I said. Those are two wins. So after the 2014 loss to Hakeem Duwadu, he fights in 2015, gets a draw against Thomas Diogny, a guy who's 5-4 and four at the time, very middling level fighter. Then 2017, two years later, he wins round one against Craig Shintani. Very nice. But then takes two more years off, gets into a grappling bout with Vince Barbosa, loses that by split decision. And then another year later, he fights Solomon Renfro. So literally between, between 2014 to now, the guys fought one, two, three. Three, three MMA fights, so just not very busy. That's very very much a red flag. Um, but Renfro is a decent win, and Shintani is a decent win. Like, decent level opponents. XFFC and CFFC are decent promotions as well. So that's what we have on him. Specific notes I noticed about him. Um, yeah, again, we talked about it. Very slow in his counters um, and leaves himself open when he's going to trade. Now, I do want to say that when watching his film and then watching Shimon Smotritsky's film, there are a lot of similarities. The guys fight very much standing up, almost a karate-esque 
style, but not quite like karate style. It's just high, hands are high, almost like a, what's that, Thai, like a, a Muay Thai style or something like that, but just basically very high, chin up very high. Um, so let's talk about Shimon Smothritsky, the Israeli fighter. I'm going to tell you right now, I was born in Brooklyn, okay, um, was not raised there my whole life. I would go back and forth to visit my, my parents were split up when I was a kid, so I'd visit my, my dad, went over in Brooklyn, and I'd come back and forth to Pennsylvania, my mom was in PA. Long story short, my father lived in Crown Heights, and if you know anything about Brooklyn, Crown Heights is like the Mecca for Hasidic Jews, and I'm not talking anything bad about Hasidic Jews. I had a lot of friends who were Hasidic Jews when I was a kid, and grew up with people that were not Hasidic Jews, just regular Jews growing up. Anyway, I'm on a tantrum. The point is, Israeli fighters, I'm like, Israeli fighters, there's really people who, in Israel who fight and do MMA because it's like an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp. Um, so I go into watching his film with this like jaded already mentality that, oh, it's an Israeli fighter. It's, I mean, probably not very good, but he's okay. He's not bad. Um, I think overall his skill set matches up very well with Mike. I think it's going to be a close bout because there's a lot of similarities. They both do some kicking. They're both longer fighters. Um, neither one seems to pack a whole lot of power to the point where they're going to knock someone out. But they, you know, they could hold their own. They could take a bit of a punch. I think the advantage here, and let's talk about fight specifically. We looked at the fight in 2017 versus Konsevich. Now, this is where the issues become an issue for me with Shaman Smatrisky's record. His last fight that we just reviewed there, let's talk about that. Yuri Kon Konsevich. Yuri Konsevich was 0-0 zero zero at the time, 2017. He wins that fight round two, rear naked choke. But Yuri Konsevich finishes his fight career 0-2. The guy never even had a win. So that's a very poor opponent. It's the second fight of his career. Gets the win. Okay, nice win. But again, very low-level opponent. Second fight we reviewed was in 2018. Bellator fight. Now, this is interesting. He fights Amos Levy. Um, excuse me, no, he finds Mat Matan Levy. He fought two Levies in a row. He fought Amos Levy in 2018, then he fought Matan Levy. That was in Bellator 209. He wins the fight by decision. That fight, definitely, after you watch that fight, you start seeing Shimon Smatratsky. At the very least, this guy is a Bellator-level fighter. At the very least, he's Bellator-level. He beats the guy. Matan Le Levy, by no means, is a world beater. I think he's like 3-2 and two overall. But And he hasn't beat anyone really significant either. But the point is, Shimon Smatratsky was able to match the athleticism of Levy, Levy was pretty athletic, came in and out, and then he was able to get the best of him in the clinches and bring him to the ground. That's where I see him winning this fight. So let's say it's even on the feet with him and Mallet. I think Smatrets guy gets in close at times, gets a takedown when he needs it, gets those points, gets those position control points, and that's where he probably ekes out the victory here. Um, he's also been more active. You know, we talked about how Mike Mallet has these weird breaks in his career. When you look at some Shimon Smatrets guy, he fought once in 2020, he fought once in 2019, he fought twice in 2018, he fought twice in 2017, and then he started his career in 2016 with a win over Nadav Ganon. So, you know, the guy's been active and consistent. So again, the second fight we looked at there with him and Levy. Yeah, look at that fight. It's in the description. You can see that he's able to hold his own athletically, which is nice. Um, decent striking. Again, doesn't have great knockout power. Doesn't really have that power. Decent kicking, nice leg game, nice leg kicking game, like body kicking game, and can get the takedowns when he needs them. The third fight that we looked at uh, was the bout in 2000 and... Excuse me here. got to grab my notes here. This was in 2000 and... Uh, oh, no. Was that a highlight film of him? Oh, no, you know what that was? That was him beating um, Illy. Yeah, Illy Gladki. That's a tough one to even pronounce. So that's Bellator 234. In the link there, in the link in the description, you're going to see a link there that's a Facebook link, and it's only a highlight film of him finishing uh, Ilya Gladki. Um, it's a Bellator fight. It's a round one win, round one KO. So look, Bellator, I think by now, if you know Bellator, they have there's different levels of even Bellator. There's these cans they throw in there sometimes that are just like, yeah, that guy probably is not a Bellator-level fighter. But overall, look, he's beaten two guys in Bellator. 
you know, that says something. Um, I think Shimon guy gets the best of Mike Mallet. I think the being more busy as a fighter, I think the um, having beat Bell two Bellator guys, kind of surprised that he's a plus 140. And I, maybe that's because of what we first talked about. Maybe there's the Israeli slant. Like, how can an Israeli guy fight? It's like the Asian fighters. Like, you know, th there's sort of a slant against them. That's kind of weird. I didn't mean to say that like that. I'm not inferring anything with the slant or the eyes or anything of that nature. I'm just saying um, if there's like an anti-Israeli feel because like you never see Israeli fighters in the ring and they don't really seem to do good in that form. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to think of. But the point is I like Shimon Smotritsky. I like my Jewish brother here to win the fight um, over Mike Mallet. And plus 140, you really got to like it. So how will I bet it? Um, I'll probably bet it with a half unit. I don't have the world of confidence. But 50 bucks over here in the plus 140, I like it. Let's move on to the next fight. Actually, that's the last fight of the night. What am I saying? Okay, that wraps up our picks here for Dana White's Contender Series Week 6. Just a quick review on who we like to win. We like Hernando Valdez, Joseph Holmes, Fernie Garcia, Daniel Barez, and Shimon Smatryski to win each of their respective fights. The fights that we're most confident in tonight, we like Daniel Barez, Fernie Garcia, and Joseph Holmes. The ones that we're most shaky on is the Shimon Smatryski fight and the Hernando Valdez fight. And for obvious reasons, we haven't seen film on, on Patrick White. Valdez is kind of chalky at minus 370. And for Shimon Smatryski, I think he lines up very well with Mike Mallet. Either guy could win that fight. The two parlays I'll offer up to you. The long parlay is going to be a five-legger. Shimon Smatryski at plus 140. Daniel Barez at plus 110, Fernie Garcia at minus 225, combined with Joseph Holmes at minus 400, and then Hanaro Valdez at minus 370. Those five legs together will give you plus 1,035 odds. $50, $50 wager will pay out 567 and change. So nice little payout there. In terms of our second parlay, a little more conservative, we're going to go with Fernie Garcia at minus 225. Joseph Holmes at minus 400, and then Daniel Barez at plus 110. That three-leg parlay right there gives you odds of plus 290. $50 wager will net 195 and change for a payout. So those are the two parlays I would look at. Um, Prop-wise, again, not looking at props for this um, you know, this card here. I wish you guys the best of luck. We'll try to do a quick recap show after the night is over on Tuesday evening. Not sure if it'll be live or pre-recorded, but either way, we'll try to get something out to you guys. Best of luck if you're wagering in this event. Enjoy your Tuesday night fights.